Good evening and welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. It's Wednesday night, Eastern Standard Time, and it must be 7 p.m. My name's Jack Mancini, and I'm here with my esteemed partner of 15 years, my God, doing business coaching. And what we're doing tonight, as we do every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we basically go through our our weekly, our last week's encounters with our clients and the coaching that we do with them and the issues that we talk about. And we try to condense it down into a, an hour-long program of fun and education and good stuff, generally. Generally. Not always, but mostly. And if it isn't starting with good stuff, it recovers that way. So we're here tonight, and we're going to talk about something a little unusual. Rather than just talk about uh, uh, an occurrence of, of our coaching client activity, what we're going to do is basically talk about my partner. My partner's name is Adam Sunhalter. I don't know if I mentioned that, but if I didn't, I did now. So with Adam, Adam is uh, fixated with the owner of the Cleveland Browns, a guy named Jimmy Haslin. <clears throat> and he and his wife own the Browns. And anyone who follows football knows that the Browns have been pretty crappy over the last, oh, God, too long to count, going all the way back to 64. Maybe a little positive blip in that time period, but for the most part, they've been a crummy team. And Jimmy Haslam is a multi-billionaire, and my good esteemed partner, Adam, is going to try to make a case and I know he's going to change his tune here a little bit to something different, but he's going to start out trying to make a case for Jimmy Haslam isn't all that bad of an owner. And I'm saying this. I'm saying, so we'll have an interesting discussion tonight. I'm saying this. The coach that Jimmy Haslam hired at 1-13 or no wins, I can't quite remember when, doesn't make any difference. It was a lousy record. A guy named Hugh Jackson as a total 100% bumpkin, 100%. And there's no question or arguing about that. And I'll take on anybody who wants to text us at, uh, what will they text us, 440-946-9468. That same number can be used to call us. But Hugh Jackson was was 100% bumpkin, and I'm saying Jimmy Haslam is about a 98%. Uh, he's a guy who was born with with privilege, and I'm not using that in a political correctness way at all. And more often than not, people who come into that kind of money by birth uh, have issues trying to become something in a common man's activity. And football couldn't be closer to common man's activity. Good stuff, hard, rock'em, sock'em, cigar smoking, old traditions, politically incorrect, all those kinds of things that... I think a lot of us old men like. And anyway, Jimmy Haslam and his wife, God bless their souls, they basically and are in over their head and have been for years. Now, they made a decision this year to hire, uh, or actually last year, to hire a general manager who has the right stuff, and the Cleveland Browns look like they've turned around on our exciting team now. But Jimmy Haslam is still a 98% buffoon where Hugh Jackson, his ex-buddy, is 100% buffoon, and he's, I don't know if he's still, yeah, he's still down in Cincinnati laboring away. Who knows what in the heck he's doing. But anyway, that's a departure, that that being uh, what we're going to talk about tonight with Jimmy Haslam. And Adam has 
some pretty strong points. He's uh, he's looked at an article. He's got inspiration to really dissect that article and try to find nuggets about, hey, Jimmy may not be all that bad. Well, okay, I agree. There's some hope, 2%. Adam feels like it's a bigger number. So with that, my friend Adam Sunhutter, let's get the show under underway and let's see what we can do tonight. Wow, that was like a... Uh... Opening, opening argument in people's court, Jack. That's what I kind of feel like. I need Judge Wapner here. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, it's time for people's court. All right, I'm going to be making, yes, as, as Jack has so said, welcome everybody to uh, Dirty Secrets of Small Business. As Jack said, I'm going to try to make a case here tonight for Jimmy Haslman. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, there was an article about two weeks ago that came out at ESPN, a guy by the name of uh, Seth Wickersham. Wow. Who, He's an investigative reporter. You may know of him. Last year, about this time, he put an article together on the on the New England Patriots and some of the dysfunction as it relates to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft over there. So this seems to be his calling card, kind of, you know, mid-January during playoff times to put together some, some stories to kind of take some people down or to kind of spread some mud somewhere. So I was reading the article. I was aware of the article. It's been talked about a lot here locally for folks who, are, who live in the Cleveland area. I think most of what's in that article people kind of already knew about here locally. I guess we were surprised it became this this national story. And the inspiration for this this show, this podcast, Jack, is coming from my wife who happened to be reading this article. And she hates football. Yet she's asking me about football questions. I said, okay, wait a minute. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah that's right. okay. So she started asking questions. I started connecting some dots. She said, okay, this is, this is okay. I, I started to understand. I started to get more of a full picture. Much like we do for many of our clients, we connect some of the dots. I was aware of what was kind of going on. So part of what hit me wrong in this article, Jack, and I kind of pointed out to you a little bit, there are, there are a bunch of these, these little slights that are, that are subtle. But you, know, you can tell that this author, Seth, is not the biggest fan of Jimmy. You know, he'd, say, he'd say little <laughs> things like, hey, Jimmy's a close talker. What the heck does that have to do with anything? Like, you know, he'd, he'd make these little snide right, comments. Do people know what a close talker is? Seinfeld, if anyone who's watched Seinfeld knows what a close talker is in one of their episodes. All their episodes are funny as far as I'm concerned. But uh, this was a good one. Somebody who breaks that little chain of, uh, I think, 12 or 18 inches from from uh, each other's face. You don't break that chain. Because now, now you're considered a closed talker and making the other person very uncomfortable. But go on. That's okay. No, it's, that's the MySpace, your space. I was thinking more about my, my, my Catholic school upbringing where you went to the dances in, with the young ladies, and they used to make sure that you had room for the Holy Spirit in between, Jack, right? So you had to have your, your arms out, you know, basically fully extended, and, and so did your, your, your dates, right? So there's plenty of room in between you. Sort know? of a third, third-party third dancing. We right. Did. Yeah. Again, the nuns just say leave, leave room for the Holy Spirit in between the two of you, right? So you aren't, you aren't snuggling up like that, right? So you aren't in each other's space. But my point is what the hell – does him being a close talker have to do with anything other than, again, these are, these are nice little, there, there are a bunch of those throughout this article, these little pot shots from this guy. I know, that upsets you. you, you well, it's, that's it, a good observation, though. He's a close talker. When I heard that, I laughed at that. I, I thought, okay, that's funny. I mean, that's funny, and I can also understand uh, at, least, at least another six, eight percentage points of why he's considered a buffoon. I was going to ask you, that was a, a note I wrote down when you're, you're giving your opening argument, Jack. I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> The difference between a bumpkin and a buffoon. Do you do you have a definition of those two? Because you, you mentioned bumpkins first, and then you went to buffoon. And buffoon it, it almost think, sounds stronger than a bumpkin, but you know I don't. Wow, well, I think a bumpkin was, is more rural. 
Yeah, usually but, it's uh, a country bumpkin, right? Yeah, usually that's, that's how you right. see it versus okay. That's, uh, it kind of rhymes with pumpkin and. But they're close. Know. They both start with you know B U. So you know, I don't know if you did it on purpose or not. Like I, I caught that, so I wanted no, to make didn't. sure. No, I did. Good catch. Okay. But, uh, just uh, yeah, very so, good. So here's my here's my point. Here's my opening argument. I'll, I'll lay it on the court. Maybe maybe we'll have Scotty be the judge. Our, our engineers here. He'll play the, the the part of Judge Wapner. But uh, my point is. To defend Jimmy, I, I don't think Jimmy's necessarily as bad as everybody thinks he is. Or he's certainly not as much of a buffoon or a bumpkin as everybody thinks he is. And, in fact, I think a lot of our small business owners can relate to what Jimmy's going through. And the, the, the challenge he has, he's doing this in a very public setting with a professional sports team. And it's any misstep is going to be magnified multiple times. The beauty of owning a small company is you screw up day in and day out. We all screw up you know, day in and day out, but almost nobody knows about it, right? Or it's not, it's not really thought too much about. So a couple of the big things that we coach on and talk about are leadership and, the, and, and organizations. How do you kind of build the organization? And as we get, to, get into the discussion tonight, Jack, I'm going to talk about some of those things, some of the qualities that I see. Or, you know, again, this is Jack and I have no inside to you know we have not been in the building in Berea we haven't we haven't interviewed people you know like, like this. it's just our perception what we're hearing and seeing what's in this article kind of what we know we're, we're reading between the lines a bit but in terms of seeing things that are happening where things often get misunderstood but there are certain things I, I feel he's doing from a leadership standpoint organization standpoint that I think are pretty darn good things that we coach our clients to do but Jack as we know it isn't always that simple it's not always that black and white there's a lot of subtlety to this stuff in terms of how things are done I'm I'm waiting to hear these good points, these astute points for Jimmy Haslam. Well, g- given, and I agree 100%, we have a very limited viewpoint. It's uh, basically given to us by journalists, uh, usually reading the paper, online versions of Cleveland.com, et cetera, et cetera. So we only get a, a filtered-down story, and we don't know all the facts behind the scenes. So all we can do is judge by results. And the results aren't too favorable, not only with football, but his company, too. Now, there's some good things in his company, but my guess, and with experiences of people like that, and I've experienced a few in a, in a business setting, um, they basically are the, the ones who are responsible for the results, good or bad. They can make it, and their judgment or your judgment of them has to be, has to be, based on the outcome. Not a bunch of good intentions after the fact or even theoretical. And he's got a lousy outcome of picking people, robbing uh, the poor truck drivers of the world, uh, hiring bad coaches, running bad football teams. So I'm really excited to hear saving grace here from Mr. Jimmy Haslam. Let me me ask you a question first, Jack. Yes. I know you're opposing counselor, but let me ask you a question anyway. All right. Would you say in 2012 when Jimmy and D. Haslam bought the Cleveland Browns, would you classify the Cleveland Browns as a very healthy, growing, good organization? Would you classify it more as a kind of bumping along type organization, or would you kind of classify it more as a turnaround situation? And again, given your, given your background, for those who are, who are new to the show, Jack, Jack's personally bought, fixed up, and sold five companies in his life that, that, that were deep turnarounds. So... How would you classify again? Growing, kind of bumping along, or kind of a declining turnaround type situation in, in, in 2012? Well, uh, I would I would say bumping along, but 
bumping along and declining. If I got to choose three, I'd say declining. Declining, okay. So I don't kind, know what their record was. I can't remember back that far. It's but just far. an overall feel. At that point, they'd been back in the league for about 13 years. They came back in 99 after after being ripped away to go to Baltimore 95. They came back in 99. So they were 13 years in and been to the playoffs once in those 13 years. They'd had the original owner who brought them back, Al Lerner, had passed away. His son, Randy, had taken over in the in the early 2000s, and he was the one who sold it to the Haslam's. And it was a great day in Cleveland when the Haslam's bought it because people were trying to get Randy Lerner out of town at, right. at that point, right? That's right. So I'd say, I'd say yeah, kind of declining or, or turnaround. And, and the reason I, w- I want to try to frame it that way, again, this is how, yeah, no different than any other organizations that, that we talk to and see, Jack. I agree. Whether it be a, a small machine shop with five employees versus you know a professional football team. So what's probably the first word you would use in terms of what you got to be and how you have to operate when you're in a turnaround situation. What's one word? If you had to pick one word, Jack, what would that word be? Decisive. Hey, you check. No. You look at my notes. You and I have been together too long. <laughs> Are you trying to say I'm leading the witness or leading the opposing no, counsel no, here? No, you know the po- opposing counsel very well. <laughs> so I, I have I have that word written down right here, Jack. I'm circling it. Decisive. Right. Decisive. Okay. Mandatory for a turnaround. Be very decisive. Why? Because we know. The current situation isn't working. So to define turnarounds, now there's a different turnaround when it comes to a professional football team. Turnarounds in the, in the small business world are folks who tend to be losing money. I don't care how bad you are as an owner of any professional sports team, you, you aren't losing money because there's so much money that's in there You're right. that you aren't going to be losing right. money. But the turnaround is, is it wasn't the, the money part of it per se, but it was the other every, almost every other part of the organization was dysfunctional, not working, not having success. I agree with your point, Jack. The success comes on the field and is judged in wins and losses. All things that happen, eventually that's what comes out in terms of the product on the field. And you got to add, too, we don't know the behind-the-scenes story very well. That's correct. Well. That's correct. So let me keep that word decisive in your mind because I'm going to come back to that when we come back from break here, Jack, to talk about how he was being very, very decisive and how that can be very, very good in terms of what he was doing, but it can also be misperceived and can, can go the opposite way sometimes. Okay, So stay tuned. We're going to talk about that. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. And you can text us, 440-946-9468. That's right. we got more Dirty Secrets of Small Business coming your way. So stay tuned here on Integrity Radio, WINT, 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, wintradio.com. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm your co-host, Adam Sunhalter. And I am his co-host, Jack Mancini. And we're talking tonight about Jimmy Haslam and how he's not such a bad owner. That's the case we're making. We're trying to poke some holes in it. If you have some thoughts and opinions, we always like to hear those. Jack gave out the number before we were going to break. That number can be used as a phone number to call in. Got Scotty, our engineer, sitting by, willing to take your phone calls. We treat him nice. You can also text that same number. Number is 440-946-9468. Again, 440-946-9468. So when we were heading to break, had the question that, we, that I talked to Jack about was what's really important in a turn, turnaround situation, which is where the Browns were when the Haslam's came in in 2012. And he said the exact cor- correct word, if we're on Family Feud, would be the number one answer, which is being decisive. All right. Being decisive, Okay. So one of the things that was brought up in the Seth Wickersham article, they, they made a comment how there have been a lot of changes to personnel. In fact, there have been five regime changes in six years. The regime being 
GMs, coaches, presidents, whatever, but the, the, the people who are part of the organization. So, again, from our standpoint, our, our corner of the world, when you're dealing with a turnaround, you got to be decisive and find, and a big part of that is finding the right people to come help the organization turn around and, 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 and become successful. And so to be decisive on that, if you know the persons or the people aren't working out, you start to move on very quickly. And Haslam has done that. Again, five regime changes, six years, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty quick being decisive on, on that front. Oh, wait a minute. Wait. Okay. Yeah, that's decisive. But he's going back to back to back with bad choices. So his judgment isn't worthy separate, of him. Separate issue. Don't oh, don't don't oh, distract. Okay. okay. All it's right. Separate discussion, Jack. But, hold on. But, but here's fair enough. Go here's, on. But, but so that's a, again that's a positive. But how can it be perceived negatively, right? So well, these changes. Well, the action is good. The results suck. Well, but the changes. So being part of an organization like that, and this, this may come to your point here a little bit, Jack. It can create a sense of instability, right? And a perception. And I think this is this is a quote from the article that either. They don't properly evaluate people, or they don't stick with them. That's your point, right? Hey, well, we keep hiring all these people. Well, what's the matter with you? Why can't you find the right people? Now, how many times have we talked about it? Again, this is again. I'm trying to make (laughs) just draw the comparison to to our 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 audience here, Jack, Mm -hmm. the small business owners. I understand. How many mistakes you make in hiring? Me? No. This is this is this are our owners. I'm talking to. Oh, all kinds of mistakes, right? Sure, they do. And what's one of the biggest mistakes they make, Jack? They hold right. on to the people too long. That's correct. Because they're going to do what to them? They're going to rehab them, right? Or what's, you know? They want to rehab them. They try to rehab them. But they make bad choices for a variety of reasons. Probably one of the biggest ones with our small business owner friends is that they don't want to pay money for a good person because they don't know how. They don't have the experience. So they continue to make bad decisions and get people who are not as good as they could and that what what leads to multiple losses, multiple regime changes, etc. Now it's not so much in his case not paying the money. In his case, he doesn't know how to evaluate people. How in the world can you? Yeah, I remember the universal whining that that went on, right, right, rightfully so, with the Browns fans when Hugh Jackson was kept over, a guy who won no games. Thirty in one game, I can't remember. No, no game. He went one and no, he went one and thirty-one in his oh, first two the years. One, yeah, the one. One and thirty-one. One loss got a renewed contract. Nope. And then he jumped in the lake, which was very perfect. <laughs> don't don't fact check Jack's facts. It's all right. So you know the outcome's right. No. So the, the, yeah, the one place where he wasn't decisive. Again, that's that's a, a, a different topic the I have one, here in terms of what he the does. The one place. No, <laughs> the one place he wasn't. Part part of you know, <laughs> so decisive was one positive. Okay, hold on. The second one I've got here, and again, it comes back to his leadership style, talks about how he listens more than he talks in meetings. And something we have to talk to our owners about a lot is about listening. This is something your mom told you, right? You've got two ears and one mouth. Use those in proportion, right? It's a nice way of telling you to shut up and listen kind of thing. Apparently, he listens more than he talks in meetings. Now, that could be very positive. That's a good thing because you're getting input. But what seems to have happened is he gets... Way too much input from too many people, both inside the building as well as outside the building. So part of how they made their hiring decisions, Jack, they hired some executive search firms. You mentioned about spending money. I think Corn Ferry is a person that they hired, which is a I think it's local, but they're they're, they're, they're a worldwide think, firm. Yeah, yeah, they're big. 
So they, they, they brought executive search firms in to help them find find these people, Jack. The first people that he got he got connected with were, you know, because again, the Haslam's were, were involved in the NFL in a, in a way. They're minority owners and in, in the Steelers for a little bit. And so they were involved in some circles. The initial marriage that was put together for them was a guy named Joe Banner, who had just been with the Philadelphia Eagles, and the folks said, hey, you should bring this guy in. So him thinking people had his best interest in mind, he listened to them. He's the first guy that he hired and fired, you know, you know within about a year or, or, or 18 months, right? The Corn Ferry folks bringing people in. They didn't use Corn Ferry to hire John Dorsey, who you mentioned, Jack. He's starting to figure out who to listen to, who not to listen to. It's very, very tough. Again, I'm, I'm not excusing what he's doing. I'm trying to give people <laughs> an insight to what's going on to give them, get, get them a little different perspective. So listening, listening, truly listening to people is a big deal. Now, wait a minute. There's in my, in my life's experiences with business executives and the like, there are situations where somebody can stick their ear into the middle of the conversation, all right? That's not necessarily listening, all right? It's the com- computation that the words and the, the symbols and the people and the dynamics in that meeting do, your observations. That's listening is more than just, if you're an executive, mm-hmm. which he is, it's more than just sticking your ear in on the table and hearing somebody yap, all right? Listening is taking in the words, listening, looking at who's saying those words and what kind of credibility they have, and going out and being able to process. He's not a processor, from what I can see. I've heard him. I've watched him on TV a few times with interviews. He's not my kind of guy for sure, and I'm still going to put him in the category of buffoon. Now, he can get input, but too much input can, can smother you. You have to have input from people who count, who you respect, who you've you've uh, dealt with before, and there have been successes. You just don't hear a bunch of people who come along and throw their two cents into it because they're in the meeting room at the time. So who's he listening to, and how does he listen? I don't think he does a good job, again, looking at the results. All right, let me, Fire away. Let me go to the article here a little bit because they, they, they gave a little detail on this. So one of the... I guess maybe the, the, the lowest of low where this all kind of started, it kind of bot, started to bottom out was a couple of years back where he, he you know, basically turned the organization on its head, promoted this guy named Sashi Brown who nobody ever heard of before, and tried a, a whole different approach where they basically blew the place up, right? Before they did that, they were going, this comes back to the whole analytics piece where they wanted to get some yeah, analytics. Yeah, by in. the way, I like that move. Yeah. I, I thought it was pretty ballsy given well, everything going on. Well, that's one thing they talk about. He likes, mm-hmm. he loves bold new ideas and hires. And so that's, that's what kind of, this kind of goes. But they, they said, it wasn't like these guys came in one day and said this to Jimmy. He goes, that's a great idea. They, they set up some meetings with some, some people that you may think are pretty good. Let me give you examples here. I read they went that. To, well, maybe give the audience examples, okay? So you got Theo Epstein from the Chicago Cubs, also with the, with, with the Boston Red Sox, who helped the, the Red Sox break their 100-year curse and win a World Series for the first time in 2004, helped the, much to the chagrin of our, our, our Cleveland Indians here, Jack, back in 2016, helped the Cubs win a World Series after 108 years. But Theo Epstein, they went and talked to him. Sam Presti, who's, who's a GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder, has done a very good job. Our buddy Mark Shapiro used to be you know, with the Cleveland Indians, now with the Toronto Blue Jays. And Paul De, Paul De Podesta of the New York Mets. He became famous... A, a, a book and a movie called Moneyball, many of you may have heard of, had Brad Pitt in it. Paul DePodesta was was the guy who kind of invented a lot of this stuff when it, when it comes to ways to look at uh, baseball to start with, but then also now looking at football. It says Haslam, 
this is this is why I bring this up. Haslam asked the majority of the questions during those during those discussions, Jack. So he's not just sitting there listening to people. He's engaged. He's a guy. He's trying to get the information. And again, a big part of listening is feeding back and talking to people about stuff. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in those meetings, but again, I said, "Hey, here he is. He's doing this stuff. He's there, and he's he's the guy who's doing it." Now he oh, may not have listened uh, to this. Uh, oh, go on. He go may on. not have listened to this part. It says one exec told him that if he were to commit to the plan, he should not go to any games for two years. So the person he was talking to could see this, right? He could see that these next two years are going to be a total disaster. But if you're going to do this, just you better stay away because you're going to get you're going to get you know lambasted. So they could see this wasn't you know it was so extreme that it probably was not going to work. But I think at that point he was like, hey, we got to try something totally different because what we were trying before wasn't working. So okay, I think he's let me get, let me give another take on that. Go ahead. This is a reporter. Keep in mind. I don't know if he was there. I'm going to guess he wasn't. But no, he wasn't. Okay, so he wasn't. So you know the dynamics of, especially when, when of, a, of an organization, especially when we have two sort of cultures, the old football guys, much like our old friends, the old steel guys, steeped in tradition, steeped in machismo, steeped in, hey, you know, get up there with that broken arm and play the last quarter kind of thing. And then you have the new regime coming in with analytics and the like. So you got two groups that aren't meshing at all. Here's Haslam, the boss, the multi-billionaire. Nobody's going to cross him. Nobody even knows what kind of questions to ask on the analytics. And, and, and you've been there as well with me when we're trying to figure out some of these vendors and their services, what they do, and marketing people are our greatest uh, fun people. What do you do? You know, you should be getting more sales, blah, blah, blah. You know, th- those kinds of conversations. So... That conversation where Haslam's doing all the questions seems very logical to me. He's the only one who's not, no, he's not the only one. He's a big pusher of an endorser of this. I would say the old traditional football games or football regimes, he's probably got 5% of those people at that time who would even side theoretically with them. The rest of them think it's all a bunch of crap. That'd be my guess. All right. Well, let me, we'll, we'll continue this conversation after the after the break here, Jack. We've got some more good stuff to kind of talk about. So stay tuned. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini, and we're playing football tonight. There we go. we got more Dirty Secrets of Small Business coming your way here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 1015 FM, and online, WINTradio.com. All right, all right. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. And we're here making a case for or against Jimmy Haslam, owner of the Cleveland Browns. And maybe he's not so bad as everybody says he is. And as a small business owner, you probably have a lot more in common with Jimmy than maybe you want to admit in public. And that's the part we're talking about tonight. And <laughs> I've been taking the side of a defense attorney here, and Jack's kind of more the prosecutor in terms of kind of putting him to court here. And making some points in terms of things that we're we're reading into this Seth Wickersham article that was out there a few weeks back in terms of what are some of the things that that, that I think Jimmy's trying to do because you know again I don't think Jimmy's necessarily a buffoon or a bumpkin he might be a little you know he has other stuff that we talked about we've talked about before which I know you'll probably bring up here Jack but he's trying some different things which I've touched on a couple areas where I think he's been somewhat positive in terms of being decisive and listening let me bring up another one here that, that it's another big word for us. He's engaged. Okay, mm-hmm. what does that mean now? And we'll talk about why he's engaged. But they talk about how he's he, he he's there. You know, the, 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 the opening scene is 
is Jimmy and D Haslam coming out to tell the, tell their team, bring the entire staff together, let them know what was happening when they when they finally terminated Hugh Jackson during the middle of the season. Now, a couple things that happened here, and this is something that we talk to our clients about all the time, who are business owners, and something that seems very apparent is an is a challenge for Jimmy right now. That is, he's not in touch with his power. Okay, so we've talked about this thing before on the air, Jack. But let me just kind of refresh people what we mean by that. So he, he's engaged out there with the people. He's they're explaining what's kind of going on. They talk about him being very visible with the staff at all levels. Knowing people's names, saying hello, doing everything else, but also how he can then get out and start talking to people. They gave examples of him talking to a position coach and asking him how the, you know, how the player's doing and how the, how the scouts do kind of bringing this guy for you, right? Talking to the scouts about, well, hey, how's the position, position guy doing with the, the, the talent you gave him kind of stuff, right? So asking kind of questions and engaging people, and all of a sudden people think, hey, I got the owner here, and, and the owner's asking me questions. So, I, so I, you know, I've got his ear. I, you know, I better pipe up and talk, and you know, this is a good thing, right? And people look, look, look back at it and realize, well, he's just kind of gathering information, and all of a sudden it gets perceived that he's not necessarily trying to help. Or I think what he's really trying to do, and I think what, he, what he's doing is he's, he's, he's doing something we talk to our clients about not doing a lot, Jack, which is he's falling in love with the product. Yeah, wait a minute, wait. you got to finish off that, that little engaged business. So, I read this too, and he... Uh, he, he, he or I, I'm Jimmy Haslam, and I come up to you and, hey, Adam, how's the, the tight end uh, uh, routines that you put in play? How's it going? So I hear you out. I stick my ear in your – I get too close, close to you, to but me, I right, stick yeah, my right. ear in your, your face, <laughs> and you tell me, and then I walk away, and you feel, hey, man, the boss is listening to me. That's, that's pretty impressive. But what do I do? I wander away like Mr. Magoo, and I basically never get back to you again. I don't – advance your your theories i don't ask you again how they're doing so that's a way of engagement in fact we have we have a client who's like that very much mm. right he keeps uh getting information he throws it out to it leads to nowhere so that's what kind of engagement keep in mind this is a journalist uh telling us this story who wasn't there right. <laughs> two two whammies against them well it's very disruptive. You're giving the example of our client, Jack. It's very disruptive. That again, being in touch with their power, it's very disruptive if they aren't doing That's it on right. purpose or aware that when they do talk to somebody. Yeah, if, if, I touch it with my power. I'm in touch with my power. I, I can fire anybody in a place. I can devote. I can promote. I can give you a big bonus. I'm a very, very powerful person in there. My you, name's Jimmy Haslam. Well, I'll say you don't have to be a multi-billion dollar owner of an NFL franchise. You used to be an owner of your small company. You're same, right. Exact same thing. Absolutely. Your, your people look at you the same way. So again, you and Jimmy Haslam have a lot in common, okay, as, oh, a, as an owner from that standpoint, okay? And it, it's often misinterpreted, okay? As, yeah, from that little carve out there. That's correct. That's what we have in so, common. But we encourage, but we, we, well, we, we encourage, yeah. We talk about the idea <laughs> of having, having more open management and talking to people about what's going on. But part of the problem with that, they've, they, 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 this same scene has repeated itself. So you're, you got fatigued just reading about it, Jack, let alone the folks who have kind of lived through it. And they've had a number of these all-hand meetings, and they say the same stuff. They, they, I think he uses the term the same script, which is that they, they, they say that, that they're still learning and that they're trying to hire the right people. I That's agree. been their That's what they say. That, right. That. And so the, the, the staff's going, well, wait a minute. You know, we're going to hear the same thing every time. So why even bother telling us this stuff? It, it sounds like almost like political speak, right? It's very important to, to you know to get in front of your team. But it's also very important to to know what to say with your team. So just getting up there in front of your team isn't you know necessarily a good or bad thing. Depends what you, you know, what you talk to them about. 
So the way that they're engaging and talking about stuff, but that to me is also, I have the word humble here in terms of humility. To get up and admit, admit mistakes in front of your team is hard. To do it in front of a, a camera, Jack. Again, this is, I'm trying to give people perspective of kind of what, what's happening. We know our owners hate to, hate to admit when, when they've made some mistakes. They'll talk to us about it because you know, it's a nice, safe place to do it. But to get in front of your whole team and fall on the sword in front of your team, that's, that's most owners, I, 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 I almost guarantee most owners listening right now have never done that to their team. Got in front of the team, hey, guys, I, I royally screwed up, folks. Oh, I agree. I so, agree. Most people aren't aware of that. Most people have the confidence of, of doing something like that. So part of what they aren't talking about, at least we haven't seen this, is what we talk to our people about. What you, what you want to do in this situation, you want to talk about what's going to be different. So if I'm just you know, parroting the same lines, that's part of what, 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 what started to wear out with, with guys like Hugh Jackson. You keep hearing the same thing over and over again, so you stop, you stop listening to them. So they weren't saying, here's what we're doing different. They weren't explaining what was, what was going to be different, why this time it, it was going to be better. I think they knew at the end of the day, whatever the words they said, aren't going to matter until we start seeing a different product on the field. And it starts showing in, in, in wins right. and losses. Hey, look, Adam, I've given you six, six years to get this thing right. Uh, we're not going to give you a seventh year. Why in the world would we do that? That's buffoonery. I right? have a... Yes, Scott, Scotty. I have some input on this, too. I think that what you guys are talking about, the back-and-forth communication, that's awesome. And, and Jimmy Haslam has been perceived as being this kind of, at times, full of himself, pilot flying Jay. I mean, he had that scandal back in the day for not paying taxes and things of that, that nature. What you guys are talking about being decisive. He does make decisive decisions. He's changed his regime five times, as you've said. And I think that there's there's good things to take from that and there's bad things to take from that because they're – it shows that he wants to make a change if things aren't going the right way or on the upward movement. But at the same time, it does show that he's not doing enough scouting and homework and looking at the track record of some of these guys that he's bringing in. So that that looks to be kind of an issue in my aspect. But I think that the regime that we have now is the kind of regime that we're looking for and the kind that I think we're going to stick with. And piggybacking off with what Jack just said, it, don't talk about it, be about it. So, yes, you can say as much as you want at some of these press conferences and interviews, but if on the field you're not producing, that is the utmost important thing. And I think that it comes down to, you know, we have the right, in, in my opinion, right now we're, we're going to have the right team going forward because we have better players, and I think they're buying into the whole system and what management in the front office has. And it, it, at the same time, talking about small businesses, I think it comes down to scheduling, being on top of the game, having your priorities straight. Those are all very important things when talking about what a business owner needs to be doing. Right. Well, and you, uh, let's talk about that pilot flying Jake. That's part of what we what we talked about in our notes here for a second, Scott. That's good. There's there was a there's a certain cloud that came over the organization. They 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 bought the they bought the Browns in late 2012, and on tax day, April 15th of 2013, is when the FBI came knocking at pilot pilot flying J. Now, what was interesting again, I, I kind of knew most stuff in the article, but I didn't know as much about Jimmy's background. I was I was very impressed by the growth that they had had at pilot flying J. Now, it's something that his father had started. They talked about him being in college and working as a janitor and going to you know clean out and empty trash cans you know as part of it and. But he had grown it when he took over in 96. So it was 100 stations in seven states. And over the next 20 years or so, they grew it to 650-plus stations in 43 states in Canada. Now, what he got in trouble for wasn't necessarily tax issues. It was more that they were supposedly skimming when they had some reward programs for, for smaller uh, trucking companies that they weren't necessarily paying them back. And 
you know, I, I know Jack has a lot to say about this in terms of what's kind of going on, but that, that cloud all of a sudden very quickly is hanging over top. Again, we, we had what was already viewed as, again, as we, as we established, Jack, it was kind of a, a turnaround situation. Now all of a sudden we're putting this cloud of FBI investigation of the owner, and that's going to capture not just Pile Fine it's, it's, it's it, it put a big shadow over the Cleveland Browns. And who's going to jump into that situation to be able to find good people, right? But you have very strong opinions on him and what happened with Pilot Fine J. So please, Jack. Sure, he's a uh, like like Randy Lerner, who was the uh, the son of Al Lerner, who bought the Browns and transitioned them and stayed totally away from it. Al Lerner had a, a stellar reputation. You know, you may not like him. You might have heard some negatives, but for the most part, he was a a very uh, positive businessman who did good, did a lot of charity. He had a great reputation. So when he does something, you you believe him because he has a lot of credibility. When you pass it off to your son, that son doesn't necessarily get the credibility automatically transferred. He or she has to earn that. And typically, when you build dynasties like, like Lerner did, you you pass along a lot of wealth and opportunity. And Lerner did not take that opportunity like many second generation. Sorry about that, people who are wealthy in the second generation. But for the most part, they haven't had the street smarts and the tough upbringing and really learned the business the way it has to be learned. Not just, uh, you know, you get a law degree and all this good stuff. The point being, this is with Lerner. You know, he his kid went on to do things that were unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Haslam, second generation. His father built the the the, the uh, Flying J from scratch, and built quite a, an operation at Adams Point. The company expanded after the father turned it over to Jimmy. Now that, under normal circumstances, would be pretty impressive. It's impressive no matter how you cut it. Especially for a bumpkin or a buffoon, right? Except especially, but especially one without credibility yet. He didn't learn much. Now, the company, to Adam's point, the FBI, after shortly after he bought the Browns, the FBI, the IRS, everyone came swooping down for the, the schemes that the company did. He is claiming, he is claiming, here's a guy who still hasn't had the credibility, or maybe he did, but it was, you know, not totally earned like his father. Here's a guy who denied knowing anything about, about, about it. It's it's just it's it's incomprehensible. Now, how do you believe a guy like that? How do you conclude that he's nothing more than a buffoon? Now, he had journalists writing about him too, so it's suspect. But I can't admire a guy like that who wouldn't stand behind his organization. He's blaming it. 16, 18 people have gone to prison or or committed uh, not committed, but came up with state's evidence here that that uh, he knew about this stuff. Yeah, and they either had plea deals or they got convicted. They, they fought and got convicted. So here's a guy so, who never got the street smarts, never had to. He, was, he came in with privilege. God bless him. He should be so lucky. But when you put somebody like that in every man's game, the common man's game, he's not going to win. And if he has warts and he denies stuff and he doesn't stand behind stuff, he's a buffoon. That's, that's how I... Okay. I gather a buffoonery. And, and we haven't studied the growth of Pilot Flying J enough to understand, but to go a six times growth like that is, you know, over a course of fifteen or twenty years is, is is impressive for any company. And chances are he didn't do it on his on his. I'm not saying he did it on his own, but he probably found the right people. Again, the the, the exact hope that that Scotty was bringing up here, you brought up I think a little bit at the beginning too about the future of the Browns. 
we think after all these regime changes, he finally, whether it's a blind squirrel finding a nut kind of thing where he found John Dorsey, or again, just finally, you know, some lessons are more painful than others. I mean, we, we know this. We know this. And, and you know, they're coming in from scratch. They're putting every effort towards it. There were some changes that started to happen. One of the things that, 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 that came in in terms of organizationally wise, his wife, D has been there. And we, and we feel D again, this is, a, this is our, our, our sense of just, again, being around the situation but not, not being involved with it. Our sense is she's pretty strong. In fact, she's pretty strong from the standpoint she might be the one who wears the pants in the family to a certain extent and probably is advising him. And she got more involved where they took the operation and they divided it between football operation and business operation. And where Jimmy was doing all that stuff, she, you know, she took over the business side of it and he kind of went more towards the football side of it and started to get more involved in what was going on to help adjust some of these things to try to at least make things work a little bit better and get and get a little bit more involved but you know it's having those good people as we know and what we talk about all the time is one good person in a small company can make makes a big difference difference. i agree well this is a fantastic example of one person in a pretty darn darn sizable organization like the cleveland browns which was dorsey making a difference okay okay and so find that one right guy to start with and he's obviously brought in his team of folks to build up his team he turned over almost 60% of the roster of the players on the field. And most of the front office and the folks who were there, he kept a few folks. But, again, he's, he's, he's brought his, his team in. His team, because he, he knows who to, who, who to bring in. He's been in the NFL for 40 years between being a player and being, and being an executive. You know, John Dorsey was. So very quickly for him, he, he knew which folks he wanted to be able to kind of bring in. By the way, look and at, it's look, amazing how fast it's turned around. Okay, look at look the guys that preceded him, preceded Dorsey. He had some pretty good people in there. Yeah. Banner being one, Holgren being one. These are winners. Well, Holmgren, well, Holmgren was never great as a GM. He was terrible as a GM. We'll, we'll come back. We have to get our last break here. But uh, we'll, cu- we'll, we'll finish this up because we have some good, some good stuff to kind of finish with Jack. So stay <laughs> tuned. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini, and I can't wait. There we go. we got more Dirty Secrets of Small Business coming your way here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, WINTradio.com. All right, all right, all right. We're back for the final segment here. And before I forget, let me just give a quick heads up. Next week, we have a very special guest coming in. Uh, one of our, our clients for a number of years, a, guy, a gentleman by the name of Ben Eide from DNS Color Supplies. And come and share a story with us. He also is a, a graduate of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. Uh, he's actually in the first cohort here in Cleveland, so that was you know, going back some years. But he has a fantastic story that we're going to have him share next week to talk about how he started an entry-level position at the company, and he now owns the company. And just how he got from the entry level to owning the company. It's a fantastic story. We'll have Ben in studio with us next week. Good. So let's finish up here, Jack. In terms of our our, our defense, maybe make some of our final arguments here about what you know what's going on and 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 why Jimmy has may not be so bad. The, the the listening thing. Let me come back. So we mentioned Hugh, our favorite. We had a show on Hugh a few months ago. If you missed that show, go back. You can take a look on our our website, DirtySecretsOfSmallBusiness.com. Uh, look back. I think it was what November. October is right before Hugh got yeah. fired. Maybe it was back in October, but talking about Hugh's style and his leadership, so you can go, you can go listen to that. It's a great show. But Hugh, that was the only thing when, when when he hired Dorsey. The only the only thing he did wrong with Dorsey was he told Dorsey you can't get rid of Hugh Jackson. And that oh, was public. Yeah. They, they, keep, they, keep in mind, they it's talked Jimmy about Haslam doing these these buffoonery things. And Jimmy, and so here, here's where he got in trouble. Is uh, you know he he let emotion get in the way. <laughs> he really, really liked Hugh. He was the guy Only that because hired. Because I like you so much, well, I agree that he, we'll, we'll say he, some. No, well, he liked you again. When, when they they, they showed us the story, when they when they were looking to hire, 
They had two guys. It was Hugh Jackson and, and another guy. And there were five people involved. Jimmy Haslam and four of the folks. They voted four to one for the other guy. And Jimmy ignored him. Jimmy wanted Hugh. Jimmy liked Hugh. And Jimmy promised Hugh, whatever he promised, I don't know what he promised Hugh, but he promised Hugh some stuff. And so he felt so bad that he, even after one in 31, he said, I can't get rid of this. I, I have to give him a chance for another year, right? So keep that in mind. Now, we, go, we aren't, aren't going to judge that at all. We'll just. Hold on. I, I'm trying to make a point. So, because we're finishing the last segment talking about the whole idea of having one person making a tremendous, exa- a tremendous difference okay. in the organization. We talk about that with small companies, Jack, but again, with big companies, this is, this is a great example. So he saddled Dorsey with that one thing. But it was like everything else, like John, everything else is yours. You know, you know John Dorsey, you know, go do your thing. So to go from 1-31 over a two-year period, Jack, to go to 7-8-1, and one, that's a pretty impressive sure change, is. right? Well, what's more impressive, I'll say, is 5-2. and two. What's 5-2? and two? You know what 5-2 and two is? Last seven games. Last seven games, yeah. right? Well, what happened in, after game eight, because they, they finally got rid of Hugh Jackson. The first eight games, they went 2-5-1. and 2-5-1. and one. So... Hugh, in our estimation, I think in Dorsey's estimation, was the problem because Hugh was leading the team, and we can look back at the one in thirty-one, and they they probably should have won a handful of games over the course of two years that they lost because I agree he's a total buffoon. He being Hugh Jackson, total hundred percent, hundred percent couldn't couldn't agree couldn't agree more when it, when it comes to that. But finally, he felt so strongly about what Dorsey had done, he'd proven himself in terms of what he did in free agency, what he did in. Um, trades and the draft and building his team and he was seeing on the field that, that again the, the, the two five and one that happened at the beginning of the year they had four games that went to overtime jack and in those four games they were one two and one they probably should have been four and oh in those games so i think he started to see and, and, and here's dorsey who at that point had been on board for maybe 10 months or nine months yeah you just picture him he's being in, in jimmy's ear hey we could win that again just and eventually jimmy said okay i got it Okay. They made that final change, and all of a sudden, they, you know, I'll, I'll give them the first week they got thrown in against the hottest team in the NFL, the, K- the Kansas City Chiefs. They were competitive, but they, got, you know, they, they lost that game. So, you know, give that, 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 that new regime. Dorsey was the guy guaranteed responsible for not, not only promoting Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchens, but also getting rid of Todd Haley who was in there. Okay, so he helped kind of clean the house. I think he started to take some, some effect. I'm seeing tremendous changes now all of a sudden. You know, they mentioned the article about the draft room. Ever seen photos of that? If you watch any of the yeah, draft, all those kind of going coming on. in, and you know. yeah, his buddies are there. And usually, people they say it's normal to bring your buddies in to kind of check these out. People think it's kind of cool, the, the, but they they leave when the, it's time for things to happen. Well, he wasn't doing that, but he changed it this that's year. Right? He that, changed it this year. That's the executive experience or lack thereof. You don't bring and fill up your friend fill up with, with a, a critical room at a critical time. That's buffoonery. I, I agree. He, buffoonery. He, he messed up, and guess what he did? Jackie changed. He changed no, for the two, he, for the no, 2018 draft. There was nobody in there other than scouts. Oh, that for that. Okay, yeah, but the, I think he I'm got threatened for, by D and a lot of other people well, close to him. So he listened. Whatever the reasoning being, he changing what he's doing. The organization structure all of a sudden changed too. Part of their their bold new ideas. He went from having one report to seven reports, and I was back to you know only a couple. But they they tried something new. Where I think they're the only team in the NFL that had the coach and the GM reporting directly to the owner. Usually it's the coach reports to the GM. Those are those are Jimmy Haslam decisions trying to be different. through the yeah. years. He yeah, likes he, keeps he loves trying to be different every year. He loves bowling. So finally, again, so here we have the guy who is who is the guy being Dorsey, who has continued to prove himself 
in terms of doing the right things and getting the results they're looking for, and Jimmy's listening to him. To where now when, when, when Freddie Kitchens was hired, and they, that's what I had the end of the article, instead of Jimmy being up there on the, on the podium with him, he's in the front row where he should be. Whereas the GM is up there with the new coach. See, if I'm so starting to change right, stuff. You're, you're giving credit to Jimmy Haslam for stepping back. I'm saying this, that D. Haslam, the one who wears the pants in this house, said, look, USOB, you've screwed up six years in a row. This guy looks good. Things are turned around here, not so much because of you, that's for sure. You step back. You sit in the front row with me. And you stay the hell out of this football business because we're looking like fools. And I think that's more more what I would see, being as skeptical as I am, versus some some miraculous turnaround by this guy saying, "Hey, he's he's, he's learning his lessons," is what I'm saying. Uh, I see him he's learning too some old lessons for that. Oh, come on, Jack. How he's many, an old man. We know this from our coaching. How many how many times it take clients of ours years? Years to change based <laughs> not, on things we're talking about. Not, not, it's not like we got 50 clients like that. Yeah, we got a few, but he's not one of them, Adam. I'm not, I'm not saying he's one. I'm just saying he's making the changes to, 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 to make the organization better, getting out of the way. Because I think a lot of the, the way is good. But that's, right. that's, that's a good lesson for yeah. many of our listeners here who are small business owners. Often, if there's problems in the organization, it has to do with you getting in the way. I and Jimmy's doing that. this in a very public way. I agree with that. And he's that. finally, again, painful. You know the scars? He's talking about scarring all the time, Jack. He must have some tr- – the scars he has on his back, he probably has almost no flesh left that's, no, that, that, that's no. not scarred. I think he's uh, being being a, a, a privileged guy to the way he was from, from the monetary standpoint. He walks around places and is oblivious to scarring. He's a good guy, I'm going to guess. I don't know. Never met him. But, uh, I haven't either. Love to have him on the show sometime if he wants to come on and kind of talk about it. But Why think, don't we do that? We'll I, get him. We'll get him on the show. I'd love to have him on the show. I think because I think he has a story to tell. Again, I think, again, all the media, all the public persona is a certain way, and it's a perception. I think he's got some good stuff. And, and again, I'm always the very eternal optimist. <laughs> You're optimistic too, Jack, but you got a little more pessimism than I do. It's probably just because of the age difference, I'm going to guess. You but <laughs> maybe. Life's, but, life's, uh, life's experiences, that's what it is. But, but hope springs eternal. I see things going the right direction. You even said that in your opening comments. Scotty mentioned that as part of his comments here you know, during the show as well. I agree. I feel very hopeful about it. And that was, I think, what they said. That, you know, the idea is, hey, can Jimmy now be patient? We have that with a, with a lot of our clients too. Be patient. You want to make changes. we got to make sure we, we see things through. Things are working well. Let's not come in and upset the apple cart so uh, let me ask you a question were you ahead. excited when manzel was uh, drafted sure yeah we all were we've been doing that for since 1964 well so was jimmy that was jimmy's idea he's yeah. the wrong guy to be doing it right that's right <laughs> okay that's so, for sure that's the last that's the last quarterback he's chosen it's probably the last player he's chosen he's he's, he's <laughs> learned his lesson all right we got we got to run jack we got we're, we're up against our, you know this is been a fantastic right. show hey, thank you for joining us in, in tonight's 30 secrets of small business we invite you to tune in every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. If you want to get a hold of us in between, you got some comments on this or thoughts, you can email us at radio at MaximumVP.com or give us a call, 877-849-0670. If you missed any of this show or any of the prior shows, you can go to our website, DirtySecretsOfSmallBusiness.com. we got all the shows listed there for you, and they're, they're great. You can have a lot of fun listening to those. So, hey, you can learn more Dirty Secrets of Small Business next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Hey, thanks for listening on Integrity Radio, WINT, 1330 a.m., 101.5 FM and online, wintradio.com. All right.